Well, good morning, everyone. How are you guys? That was garbage. All right, let's do that again. Uh, good morning, everyone. How are you guys? There we go. Now we're here. Well, I'm super excited to be with you guys today. My family, I'm excited to bring the word. Um, and I'm just going to jump right in to uh, an illustration because uh, let's just be honest, my life is a uh, story of things not to do sometimes. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but have you ever had someone explain something to you and when you actually do it, it's completely different? Anybody, please? I hope I'm not the only one. Okay, perfect. So this was when I was a missionary out in Hungary and I'm like a very spontaneous person. I like to just do spontaneous things. And we got a group of people to get together and they were like, we're gonna go uh, a skydiving. And I was like, that's pretty cool. I'll jump in, whatever, let's do it. So as I'm preparing, we're about a week out and I'm like a very like, I may have a lot of energy, but I'm like nervous about like everything. Like my biggest fear is elevators. We're not gonna get into that, why? But like, I'm, I'm like nervous and get anxious about things. And I'm like, so I call a friend and I go, hey, you've, you've skydived before, how is it? And this guy goes, oh dude, it's nothing. Like it's like a roller coaster pretty much. You go up a little bit and then you kind of just come down a little bit and you're good. And I was like, really? I've heard like it's explained a little more intensely than that. He's like, no, no, no. You're good. You go up in a roller coaster, you come down. That's it. Okay. I'm like, perfect. Let's do this. Well, let's just say he also did it in America. Uh, I did it in uh, Hungary, a little different. Um, and we walk over and we're, we're about to start skydiving. And one, the guy that I'm attached to uh, doesn't really speak English. He speaks Hungarian. So he's like, okay, ready? Okay. I'm like, no, I'm not. I don't know. Wh where is the, where's the takeoff? And he's like, grass. I'm like, grass. I see the plane. We're taking off on grass. And I'm like, this is not how this guy explained it. And this plane fit four people uh, max. And we had six in it. So I'm pushed up against this wall. There's no, it doesn't look good in there. And we keep going up and I'm like, I don't know if, uh, this is higher than a roller coaster. This is higher than a roller coaster. Usually a roller coaster goes up, you know, a couple hundred feet. This was uh, way higher. And I don't know about you guys, but when I get nervous, I start like tingly in my hands and feet and it just kept going up. And I'm like, oh my, I can't feel my arms. I can't feel my legs. I can't move. And I'm the first one supposed to jump. And they're like, he's like, okay, legs out. I'm like, I, I can't move my legs. Like I was dead serious. I'm like, dog, usually I would listen to you, but I can't like move my legs. So the person, he had to grab them. It was as if like, they just didn't work. He had to drag them out and I'm hanging over. I'm like, this dude lied to me. This is way higher than a roller coaster. And we go out and I wish I had the video cause it was rough. I am never skydiving again. For you who want to go, please go do it. It's a blast. Okay. But I just don't want to go again. And it was kind of like, again, he explained it to me in a way that it wasn't, he made it seem a lot less than it was. And I called him after that. And I said, we're going to have to take a break on this friendship just for a little bit, just for a couple months. And then I'll probably forgive you. But that's kind of what it was. And I think sometimes in our lives, we're in a new series called different Jesus. I think the world describes Jesus a little differently than who he actually is. The world says he's a good teacher, he's a good guy. He actually did a lot of good things, but that's not the whole story. That's the roller coaster. But the reality is this, Jesus is God. 
That's who he is. And what he did is beyond anything that we can imagine. And in this series, in this different Jesus, I've titled my message, Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And we're gonna dive into a, a scripture verse that is, is very powerful. It's Luke 9, 28 through 26, and it's a, it's a powerful story to really show who Jesus is in our lives and how we then live that out. And I think that that is just gonna be a very important thing, but before I do that, I wanna pray. And the reason we pray up here is not to just do it because we're pastors and we're supposed to pray. It's to ask God, for all of us in this room, for me to be put aside and for God to take over and speak to you guys, but also we pray that your guys' hearts would be open to hear this. That we would be open to hear this word and that God would change us from the inside out and we walk out differently. So as I pray, please join me in prayer. Whether you just need to whisper or just pray, God, please open my heart today. Let this not just be another Sunday. So God, we come to you right now and I pray that this is not a, a message from Pastor Sam. I pray this isn't a message from my iPad notes. God, I pray that this is a message from you and from your word. I pray I deal with this scripture rightly. I pray that I get moved aside and you take over, God, and I pray for every single person in this room. I pray that we listen, that our ears are attentive. Even watching online, God, I pray that we have the distractions aside and that we can respond to you. Our heart is softened and we can leave out of here different because of who you are and we understand who you are. Amen. 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 Well, let's jump right into the scripture. It's Luke 9, again, 28 through 36. How many of you guys actually have like a real paper Bible right now? Lift it up. Oof, those are the, the really saved people, the really <laughs> saved ones. I always felt so good when I brought in a real Bible. I was like, yeah, I got a real Bible. It's a study Bible too. But so we're gonna read and it starts off like this. It says, and it came to pass about eight days after these sayings, he took Peter, James, and John and went up to a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as flashes of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy or heavy with sleep. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. One, we need to give a little context to this because that first verse says, and it came to pass about eight days after these sayings, he took Peter. Okay, first off, what did he say and who was he? Jesus. And the verses right before this is some very famous words that God said. It was the verses that went like this. Whoever gains their life will lose it, but those who lose their life will gain it for my sake, will live so pretty much that's a, those are some heavy words that really like in that time confused the heck out of the disciples. It was, wait, so I need to, if I try to live my life here, I lose it. If I lose my life here, I gain it. What? Confusion. But that was eight days before. So they have that in their head. And now Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up a mountain to pray. Now, this is something Jesus makes a very big point to get away and pray. We see it all throughout his ministry and time here. And usually he goes alone. Usually he goes by himself. But this is one of the times he brings his kind of, there was 12 disciples, but it was kind of like the starting three. 
okay? The starting three, Peter, James, and John. And he brought these people up to show how he prays and to bring them along to pray with them. And again, Jesus does this a lot. And my first point is this, if you could write this down, it's when we understand who Jesus is, our priorities change. When we understand who Jesus is, our priorities change. So Jesus, again, takes them up to a mountain. He does this all the time in the gospels. And these are the six reasons why. I'm gonna give you these. These are very practical. And these are the reasons that Jesus went up mountains to pray. We have in Luke 4, it's to prepare for a major task. Mark 6, to recharge after hard work. Matthew 14, to work through grief. Luke 6, before making an important decision. Luke 22, in times of distress. And Luke 5, to focus on prayer. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like one of those six things happen every day. <laughs> one of those six things. I don't know which one. It may be you're preparing for a major task. You're, you have to recharge after a long day's work. You're in distress. You just need to focus on prayer. God is making it very clear through all this in Jesus is that we have to go away and pray. But what do we see the disciples do? The verse says, as he was praying, his appearance changes a flashing lightning. And it says, Peter and his companions were very sleepy or heavy with sleep. So that may be some of you right now that are trying to keep your eyes open and you're like, oh, okay, I gotta just pay attention. Or you're just knocked right now and you're not hearing what I'm saying. That could happen. Or just in life, when we are heavy with sleep, we are KO'd and knocked out. Now, why were they sleeping? They didn't realize the importance of what Jesus was doing. He was praying and they were like, oh, we do this all the time. He tells us to do this all the time. And he was just, they were chilling, heavy with sleep because their priorities were off. They didn't realize how important it was. And I think if we realize, if Jesus himself, again, fully man, I think sometimes we forget, fully God went away to pray to his father, how much more should we? Like, really, like, and I mean go away and not just like pray for our meals and things like that. I mean, go away, get out of life. We all heard the saying, when someone asks how is life, you're like, oh, I'm just living life. I'm just living life. We get so caught up in the routine of life of we go to work, we do this, we do that. And it's good things. It's just living life. But we have to make it a priority at sometimes to go away and pray. And when I read these scriptures, I Honestly, I usually skip that first verse. I'm like, okay, they went up to a mountain to pray. It's not a big deal. Let's get to the meat, the meat of the text. That's the first step. If we skip that step, that doesn't happen. So when God made it a priority to go away to a mountain and pray, he did it. Now, my question to us is, is what is that for us? How do we get away and pray? And some of us in here may have this kind of preconceived notion of what prayer is. We think prayer is you have to sit crisscross applesauce with the lights down and you have to hold your hands like this and you have to stay still. And me with my ADHD mind, that is actually the opposite of talking. That gives, that's awful. And I did that so much. I would get down, I'd sit down, and I'd say, okay, I have to do it like my parents taught me. Fold my hands, close my eyes. Dear Jesus. And then two minutes later, I'd be like, a noise would go. And I, with the ADHD mind, you kind of like battle your mind. My mind's like, oh, what's that sound? I'm like, no, we can't. Not yet, don't go there, don't go there. And then I look up, I'm like, oh, okay, cool, sorry, nope, get back to it. Five minutes go by and I'm like, dog, I can't do this. I cannot go away and pray. 
and Jacob, if you could throw me this ball, this is what changed my prayer life, a basketball. You're like, what? When I was in Hungary, I, it was one of the, I would say honestly, darkest seasons of my life. And I knew a priority I had to do was getting away and praying. I had to. But every time I tried, I'm like, after five minutes, I get distracted. And I'd get upset. I'm like, what the heck? And I was in my apartment and I had a basketball. If you guys don't know me, all my youth leaders know me. I always have a basketball on Tuesdays. I don't know why. I just throw it around, hold it. This is what I do. And that's what I was doing in my apartment. And I was like talking to God. I'm like, God, how am I supposed to spend more time with you? Like, I can't just sit there and pray. And it was as if God was just like, look down, dummy. I'm like, what? I look down at the basketball. I'm like, I mean, I guess I could talk to you when I play basketball. So I walk out my apartment. Have any of you guys ever seen the Air Bud movies? Air Bud? Okay, cool. You know the first one when he goes to clean that court because it's all messy and nasty? That's what this court was, except for I was too lazy to clean it. So I jump over a couple fences to get there. It wasn't because I couldn't go there. It was because it was like shut down. So I walk in there. I start dribbling the ball. And there's a hoop that the chain is metal. It's half ripped off. And I had never been there. I'm like, okay, I'm, I guess I'll try this. So I just start dribbling and shooting. That's it. And I just start talking to God. I'm like, God, I, man, today's been tough. Like, I, I don't know. I know I can trust you, but like, I, it's hard to do right now. And I would just start doing it. And I'd start shooting and I'd, I made all of them, by the way. I never miss. All right. If you were here first service, you know I'm lying because I had a hoop out here uh, and I missed, but that's okay. Um, and I would just do it. And the first time I do it, I'm like, okay, I'm done. I walk out about 20 minutes. I was like, whoa, I have never done that before. And it was just talking. The next day, bad day. I walk out there, same thing. I'm like, I'm here again. So here we go. And I would just shoot and I would just dribble and I would just talk to God. And 45 minutes later, I'm like, oh my gosh, 45. I just prayed to God for 45 minutes. And then the next time, hour, hour and a half, like it was because I was doing something I enjoyed. And to make prayer a priority, it doesn't have to be done in some specific way. What is the basketball hoop for you? Is it going on a walk? Is it on your drive to work? What is it? Because if we realize prayer is a priority in our life, we need to do it more than we think. And I'm talking to myself. We need to do it more than we think and you can do it with something you enjoy. For me, it's basketball, it still is. I go in that gym way too late at night when I probably should be sleeping, and I come in here and I shoot hoops for a couple hours and just talk to God. It doesn't have to be some perfect thing that you do. You talk to him like he's your friend. And Jesus, as he was praying, it says, what does it say? As he was praying, his clothes became as bright as flashes of lightning. When Jesus prayed, his true nature was revealed. As he was praying, scholars believe he prayed for a long time. It wasn't just a couple minutes. It was on his face praying. And as he prayed, his nature was revealed. And the question I have to ask us today and myself is, what does our prayer life reveal about us? Does it reveal that we think God is a small person that can only handle small things? If I were to put my prayer requests up of this week, what would it say about my prayer life? Would it say that I pray a lot about myself and not about others? Would it show that I only tell God the big stuff because he doesn't care about the little things? What is it? 
And the reality is he cares about the big, the small, the awful, the good. And sometimes you can just talk to him as if he's your friend, as if he's someone in your life that you can just talk to and tell him, thank you, God, for who you are. It could be that. Thank you. That's what it was for me. And that's the question that we have to ask ourselves is if we really understand who Jesus is, we realize prayer is a priority. Ball's gonna roll, thank you. We understand that prayer is a priority. So what is that in our lives? Another question I have to ask to end this point is if all of your prayers were answered, would it change mostly your life or the world? If, if all of our, if God said, you know what? Of this month, I'm gonna answer every single prayer that you prayed. Would it change your life or would it change the world out there? And God cares about both. That's the amazing part. So when we truly understand who Jesus is, our priorities change. And my second point is this. When we understand who Jesus is, our perspective changes. Verse 29 says, as he prayed, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as flashing light. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing beside him. So we get to see, let, let's, like, let's get into this story, okay? I think sometimes when we read the Bible, we read it as like a story that didn't happen. This happened. So Peter, James, and John are sleepy, and then Jesus starts glowing, and they wake up, and it's like when someone shines a light in your face, and you're like, whoa, what the? And they see this they see Jesus looking like lightning. And another verse in Matthew says, it looks as if he is the sun. Like the sun that lights this whole world, it looks like that. We can assume, most scholars believe this was at nighttime. So this is dark and then it's just bright as heck and they wake up and Jesus is having a conversation with Moses and Elijah. Now again, we don't really know exactly why it could be Moses and Elijah, but a lot of scholars believe it was Moses and Elijah for a specific reason. And when I think of this, I'm like, why Moses and Elijah? Like, there's a lot of other cooler Bible characters out there. Like, imagine if Noah showed up, like, with the whale or something. Like, that would have been sick. Been like, whoa. Or Samson, just like all strong, probably like curling dumbbells or something, like Pastor Mark. If that was, like, imagine that. That would have been cool. I'd be like, ooh, that would have been like a cool scene. So why Moses and Elijah? Like, why? And again, we don't know specifically why, but scholars believe it's for, for two reasons. In the Old Testament, Moses represented something bigger than his name. He represented the law. The law. There was 613 laws that the Israelites had to follow. And if you followed those rules perfectly, that's how you became, like you could be one with God in the sense of like, you would be blameless, you'd be perfect. And you would be able to reach God. And that's what the law was for. The law was to kind of reach your way up. If I follow these rules, I'll do this. And if I, if I sin, I've ever messed up, I have to do a sacrifice because then that'll cover me. And it was the same process going, going, going. So that's all these people knew. And then Elijah represented the prophets or the knowledge of God. So again, at that time, they didn't have a relationship with God like we do. We can talk to him at any time. They, in the Old Testament, 
got words from prophets. The Israelites would mess up. If you read the Old Testament, they mess up a lot. They mess up. And a prophet has to come and say, yo, get back on track here, all right? So anything from God would come through a prophet and be brought to them. Or you had to go to a specific place to pray at a specific time, and you could only go into, there's inner sanctuaries, there's this, there's this. So that was the knowledge of God. You could only talk to him at certain spots. So you have the law, and you have the prophets. So that's who Jesus is conversating with. And a lot of scholars believe that's what this story represents. That's why it's Moses and Elijah, not Samson and, and, and Noah or anyone else. That's why it is. And what are they talking about? It says they're talking about a fulfillment. What fulfillment? That's the question I have to ask. What fulfillment? And we don't really know how the conversation exactly went, but we can kind of assume it went something like this. Moses is talking and saying, hey, Jesus, are you really going to do this? Like, this is a lot. This is a lot. This law that we've lived under for a really long time, it's been a burden. And are you going to fulfill this? Elijah's saying, yo, God, this is big. Like, this is big. This, this thing you're going to fulfill, the law and this, you're going to fulfill it. And Jesus, it's like a track race. When you run the first 100 meters and you hand off that baton, Jesus is saying, hey, I got this. Give me those batons. I'm, I'm doing this. And it even says in Matthew that Jesus, it says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. So what he's saying is this, the law in the Old Testament and the prophets in the Old Testament pointed to a person, an event, a thing, and now it's in front of their faces. It's Jesus. The law pointed to, you can't live up to the law. And you're not supposed to have to just hear from God through a person. That's why Jesus came. So that's what that conversation is talking about. There, Jesus is much more than just a good guy or a good person or someone that came to help some things out. He flipped the script of time itself. He flipped it. And that's what they're seeing. So Peter, James, and Don are witnessing this. And it says in this next verse, which is awesome, as the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And then it says in parentheses, he did not know what he was saying. If someone wrote down stuff that I say in my life, that parenthesis would probably be a lot. He did not know what he was saying. But the question is this, what was good for them? Because he says, Master, it is good for us to be here. And I think what Peter is, it's as Moses and Elijah are leaving, right? So they're, whether they're, we don't know, they could have been walking away, they could have been going up, whatever. But as they're leaving, Peter's like, whoa, we need this. So hey, you two, stay here. Jesus, you stay, we good? Okay, so I'm gonna build three shelters or, and this wasn't tents, this was tabernacles. So they're like, we're gonna build three buildings for us to stay up here for a long time. Because this is good for us. This is amazing. We got Jesus, we got Moses, and we got Elijah. This is good for us. And what he's doing is putting the law, the prophets, and Jesus on the same level. Saying, Jesus, before with you it was good. Like you were good by yourself. You like, you know, fed the 5,000, you did all these things. You did all that. But now we got Moses and Elijah here too. Let's hang up here. Let's hang up here. So we had him at the same level. And I think some of us in here today may be like that. 
where we have the law and we have the prophets or, or the knowledge of God at the same level of Jesus. And this is what it looks like played out. You may not have felt like you could come into church today because of something you did yesterday. Because you messed up, you feel like, oh, I can't go to church until I get that figured out. Or you may be like, yeah, I get good, I get good time with Jesus by myself, but like when that person who knows more about God, I can really hear from him because he knows more about God. You may be saying that today, oh, good thing a pastor's up there talking because that I can hear better from God if he does that. And the reality is this. If you live in that way for long periods of time, it is a weight on your shoulder you were not meant to carry. The reason Jesus came was to fulfill those things. So do we still follow rules? Absolutely. When we, when we come to know Jesus, our life changes and we stop doing things we used to do. And do we love church and hearing from people? Absolutely. But it's not at the same level as Jesus. It's just not. So we don't have to walk in condemned or we don't need to walk in feeling like we can't get something by ourselves or with a, another person, another brother or sister in Christ and we have to hear from someone on stage. That's not it. And then when that pressure is off, it's such a freeing thing to live. And the Jews saw him as a guy coming to save them from the Romans. And that looks like played out is we come to church maybe or we we think that God, like the main reason Jesus came was to save our lives here. Like, okay, when I get stuff figured out with Jesus here, my life on earth will be better. Is that true? Absolutely. Your life will be better with Jesus because you have the Savior. But here's the biggest thing he came to do. He came to save our lives forever. Not just until we pass away and we're like, you know what, I had a good life. Jesus really helped me. He does. That is a, a percentage less than 1% of what Jesus came to do. He's like, I came to save your life forever. That's what I came for. I didn't come to save you from the Romans. I came to save you from ourselves. And I came to take your life and flip it upside down so now you can live forever with God. That's what he came to do. Or, and the Romans saw him as a, a crazy leader with a bunch of crazy followers. You may be trying out church today. And you may think, these people are crazy. Why are they jumping around and clapping and all this stuff? And the reality is this, we are crazy, okay? I'm a little crazy. I'm a little messed up up here. And here's the reason. Here's the reason I'm crazy. And this is why I've given my life to do this is because Jesus saved me forever. That's why. So if we live in this way, of the weight on our shoulders. We, we were not meant to carry that because Jesus was so much more. He was not just a good teacher. Christianity is not the same as other religions because Jesus, that's it. Because of Jesus, he flipped the script. We don't have to climb our way up the ladder. Jesus came down the ladder and saved us. That's the difference. That's who Jesus is. And I think that is something we need to realize and this next verse, God made this very clear as well. Verse 35 says this, or verse 34, while he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them and they were afraid as they entered the crowd. So while Peter's speaking, like you stay here, you stay here. What the heck is this cloud? And it starts coming down and it says, a voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I have chosen, listen to him. 
When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. God was saying, you guys don't understand this. I'm literally putting, you can see Jesus in his God form and you still don't understand that he is so much better than anything that's happened. So God says, okay, I'm gonna have to come down. So God comes down in this cloud and he says, this is my son. This is the one I chose. I didn't choose Moses and Elijah to save you. I didn't choose rules. I didn't choose this. I chose my son to save you. I chose him. And when the cloud comes up, it's Jesus alone. And God made it quite clear. Peter, you don't get this, man. Moses and Elijah were for them. He was there talk, they were there talking with Jesus. They are not here for you. Jesus is the only one that can save you. And I think that's something that we need to realize is when we understand who God is, our perspective changes. Rules are good. Knowledge is good. Church is good. But it's not at the same level of what Jesus did. It's not. And this last verse that brings me to my last point is, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When we understand who Jesus is, write this down, we listen. When we understand who Jesus is, we listen. When our perspective and priorities are in line, the next step we need to do is listen. So the Greek word for listen here is akuo, is what it is. And it means to hear, comprehend, and understand. So it's not just getting it in your ears. It is comprehending it and understanding it. It is hearing what he says, comprehending what he does, and understanding where he goes. Because I think sometimes, if we're honest, some of us, or at times it could be seasons, because I believe our church has done a really good job of going out these doors and changing this neighborhood and changing this city. And I think this is just a reminder that I needed personally it's worth it. Because where did Jesus go after this? He went down the mountain. And I just want to encourage us. And I just pray that Sunday mornings do not become a comfortable spot for us to come and just learn and do nothing with. And I'm not saying that that's what we're doing all the time. We're going out, but it's an encouragement to do it more. Because Jesus went down the mountain. It's where he went. And people don't live on mountaintops. They live in the valleys and the muck and the mire. That's where they live. And that's where we need to go with this message. And we've been doing a great job of that. And this is an encouragement to you guys. We gotta keep doing it. We gotta keep doing it. Three times in the New Testament, Jesus specifically predicts his death. He does it other times more subtly, but three times where he literally says, guys, I'm gonna go die on a cross. And it's always after these, these scenarios that you wouldn't think it would make sense. Like literally, one of them is after he feeds the 5,000, it's like, oh God, this was awesome, you did it. And Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna die on this cross. And they're like, okay, weirdly timed, but that's fine, cool, awesome. The next one is right after this verse, when they come down the mountain, there is a kid that has been possessed his whole life. And the disciples that didn't go up the mountain tried to heal him and he couldn't. So Jesus comes down and saves him. And they're all like, oh, amazing. He goes, hey, listen to this. Open your ears. The son of man will surely be turned over and put to death. It's like, what, why do you keep saying, this is so random. Why these timings? And then he does it again at their last meal. That's what communion is. He explains what's gonna happen. And they're still like, why are you saying this? You're doing all these amazing things. Why do you keep talking about this dying thing? Because the whole point of Jesus coming was not just to heal people and not just to teach us good things. It was to die on a cross 
for us. That was, he was reminding everybody, we can get hyped about everything. We can get excited. That's why we jump and worship and lift our hands. That's why we do that stuff. But the reality is Jesus came to this earth to die on the cross for us. That's what it was. And sometimes we see a picture of a cross and it's a gold-plated cross or it's a beautiful picture of a cross. The reality is the cross was a bloody wooden thing that God, Jesus, who did nothing wrong, hung on for us. That's what the cross is. Jesus is saying, it's all about the cross. Everything I do, I heal those people because of what I'm gonna do on the cross. Everything has to do with the cross and Jesus reminded us of that. That he came to this earth to die on a cross. And when we understand that, we listen. We listen to what he says. We listen to his word. We come in on Sunday, not to just hear it. We come to hear it and then take it out there and keep taking it out there and keep taking it out there and keep taking it out there. There may be some of us in here that have been doing that and you might be discouraged right now. You've served at the food pantry every single week or you've come in on other nights and led a group and you're like, I feel like I'm doing this. I'm just discouraged. I'm here to encourage you this. It's worth it. We gotta keep doing it. We gotta keep doing it. And the reality is this. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come up because I'm closing. Sometimes, this is an encouragement that I needed. Sunday mornings are not the, the fourth quarter of a, of a football game. Sundays are not the, the hype play that happens where we catch it with one hand. Sunday mornings is the huddle where we learn, we get the plan, we take what God's gonna do, and then we go out there, and that's the game. That's the game. And the reason that I'm standing here today, the reason I'm here today is not because I follow this good guy who has good teachings or because I followed all these rules and I somehow got here. The reason I am here today is because I was a messed up kid. I grew up a pastor's kid. I was at church all the time, all the time. And it was fine. And my parents raised me right and they prayed for me and they taught me things and I could live the Christian life better than most that were actually Christians. <laughs> and I knew what to do. I knew what to say. I did it all. And I knew who Jesus was. I didn't understand who he was. I knew of him. I didn't understand him. And high school comes around and I'm like, you know what? I'm sick of this. I want what the world has. And I went after it all. I had all the friends I could think. I got into things I shouldn't. I sold stuff I shouldn't. And I got so wrapped up and it was amazing for a couple months. It really was, I'm not gonna lie to you. It was amazing. I was like, this is awesome. And there was one day at the pinnacle of it all, I had literally everything a 17 or 18 year old kid could want. And I was driving my car with some stuff I shouldn't in my car and I got pulled over. And it was as if life flashed before my eyes. I was like, oh, how did I get here? And I gripped that steering wheel with tears in my eyes saying, God, I, I deserve to get taken out of this car and taken somewhere I don't wanna go. 
but I know you're real. I know you are, and I've lived for the world for so long, and it took this to show me. And I gripped that steering wheel, and I said, God, I deserve this, <laughs> but if you can get me out of this, I'm done. And by God's grace alone, that cop let me go. And I got home, and you would think, right? You would think that a sane mind would be like, I give you everything, God. I was like, all I did was, whew, okay, we're good. And my mom forced me to go back to church because she said, if you're gonna drive that car, you're driving at the church on Sunday. I said, ugh, fine. So I go to youth group. And the reason I'm here today is because my friend Taylor went down the mountain. And I was at youth group. I wanted nothing to do with it. I've been to all the retreats, camps, everything you could think of in youth ministry and children's ministry. I did it all. There's nothing else I could gain. And Taylor was that annoying person who just always was like, hey bro, you wanna go to a retreat? How you doing? I'm like, get the way from me. Stop talking to me. And I made it very clear. I don't wanna talk to you. Like I'm here because my mom forced me to come. That's it. And he went behind my back, talked to my mom, got me signed up for our winter retreat that were like the same thing. And this, my mom says, yeah, again, he did it. And I was like, he, uh, oh man, I still remember that day. He goes, hey, bro, you're going to winter camp. I said, no, I'm not. He said, yes, you are. I said, what the heck? He said, I talked to your mom. And I looked at my mom. I was like, I can't trust you anymore. <laughs> but what do I do? I go to this camp and I have every negative connotation of what this is going to be in my head. And something happened there. And I went to that altar and I said, God, I, I give you everything. Like, there's nothing else I can do. And I was a beat up, broken kid who didn't want anything to do with God. And the pastor on that stage, he was giving out these pieces of wood and he was giving it out to people that he thinks are gonna be leaders and tell people about God. This man didn't know me. All he knew about me was that I was the troubled kid that a leader needed to be around so he wouldn't break anything. And this man, the last piece of wood he has, he says, is Sam Percaro here? And I go, hold up. What the heck? I thought he was gonna yell at me. And he says, Sam, I know right now you don't believe in God, but this is for you. And I said, oh my gosh. <laughs> and I took it and I went to that altar and I was like, I, I have nothing to give. I have nothing to give God. I have went after the world for the last couple years and I'm broken. And God, I need you. And that wasn't because someone told me I had to follow a rule. It was because someone came down the mountain and talked to me about God time and time again when I said no, no, no. That's why. And now I understand that we need to do this for the rest of our lives. We're doing a good job of it now. I am here to encourage you, it's worth it. Cause there's more of me's and you's out there that are still living for the world. And there may even be some in this room that you're saying, Sam, that camp experience, that's me right now. So as we end, could everyone just stand? Ugh. Sorry, I don't like to do that, but oh well. I believe that this was not a message from me 
or my iPad of notes. I really do believe that God spoke to some people today. I don't know what it was. It could have been point one, two, three. It could have been something I didn't even say. But I believe specifically right now as we respond in this time, there's some people that need to come to this altar because they were me. And they knew of God and they knew all the rules and stuff, but they did not understand who he was and what he did. So I'm even gonna ask, and this is, this is, this is bold, but if there's even just one person in here that needs to come to this altar because you are saying, God, I have nothing else to give. I've tried everything myself and I need you. I would ask you even right now to come up to this altar. Right now, if you are saying right now that I need to give my life back to Jesus, come up here. It may be for one person. This is only God. I can't even act like I said something that was funny enough or clever enough. This is God. And as we sing this song, let's pray over these people, but let's also pray for the ones that are gonna come next week and the ones that are gonna come after this so we can, if we fully understand who Jesus is, we can't help but do this. So as we sing this song, if you have a person that's in your head right now that you're like, I need to invite them to church. Let's respond, let's respond and let's sing this song right now.
Can we just give it up for God for a second? I'm gonna ask Joe to come up in one second, but I, I just feel this in the moment. You, um, I just felt like God was saying that your family's gonna change from today. Not just you, not just her. I'm talking about extended family. I'm talking about people that you may not have talked to for years. Your family's gonna change, man. And that's what happened today. Lives changed. So I just pray that, that we live this out. And I'm gonna pray and then Joe's gonna come up and dismiss us. But God, we thank you for today. And we thank you that you don't just stop today, that you keep going into tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday, God. And I pray that as a church, we're encouraged that it's worth going out off the mountain and down the mountain to the places where people are. And we've done such a good job of it. And I pray that we keep doing it and we keep seeing lives like this changed, God. Because that's, that's what it's about, God. It's not about us. It's about you. So God, we thank you for today. And I pray we all walk out of here ready to go from this huddle and take this world for you. Amen.